bonjour, ciao. Welcome back to Mad Yet Freaking Mighty. Um, hi, it's me, Megan Cipollone. And, you know, back and happy Halloween. Happy freaking Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my freaking birthday. And I've been MIA as fuck. <laughs> but I w- thought no better way to record and get on and talk and share and dive in and explore for my birthday since I'm born actually legitimately legally born on Halloween and not just like something that's like close to Halloween no my I'm literally was born at like noon on literally like not even like an ex it was like 12 30 p.m you know 12 like 12 30 like lunchtime so yes Halloween baby and she's turning 28 and she's feeling good And she has a lot to share. And we're going to get to that on another episode. But this episode specifically, I wanted to talk about a couple of performances because it's my motherfucking birthday. I just had to say that again. And I'm loving it and I'm living it and I'm going with it for my birthday episode. I wanted to come on and I wanted to just kind of relive and break down one of our favorite, favorite characters of all time, someone that will stand the test of time, someone that we continuously fiend over, and I think now it's kind of become like a cultural thing because of a certain someone. It's always been a cultural uh, character, I, I don't want to say icon, but um, figure. And what I'm talking about is... I want to go back and kind of talk about the last four Jokers. Are you excited? Good, because I'm excited. I want to go back and talk about the last four Jokers and really kind of relive for me as the movie, entertainment, acting, anything artistic freak and obsessive compulsive disorder that I have about it. Um... Why do I want to talk about it? Because so for a little bit about me, if anyone doesn't know, um, I was basically training to be an actor like my entire like up until like I mean college, like I went to college for it literally was an acting major. Um, So and what I mean by like trained for it was like where it started all back in the day. Back in, I don't know why, I I don't know why I went country there at all. Um, Went back, let's go back to fifth grade briefly and tried out for a play. It was Schoolhouse Rock Live Jr. Went in and sang, I think it was like the Star Spangled Banner, had a monologue, you know, was totally, had no idea what I was doing. But I remember like just feeling so utterly calm and just kind of like went in and fucking belted the Star Spangled Banner and just kind of like left. Didn't think twice about it. I mean, literally was just doing it because like, obviously something in me at that age was telling me to do it. And I had like done acting camps previously in the summer, but like, okay, I was like, okay, I'm going to like go for it. And little do we know the cast list is posted and who gets the lead role, which is originally played by a man, (laughs) this bitch, 
I played Tom in Schoolhouse Rock Live Jr. So the, well, they changed it to Tara. And Tara shaved half her eyebrows off before Schoolhouse Rock Live Jr. Because she had a unibrow and wasn't allowed to get it waxed or shaved. So she decided to take her Venus razor and shave half her eyebrows off. And then had to lie everyone to, in fifth grade, that she went to the Beauty Academy on Beachmont Avenue in Cincinnati. And one of the students waxed her eyebrows off. That's what I went through in fifth grade. Okay, so as we can see, mine's always been a little bit different than other <laughs> folks. Anyways, I digress. So back to being brought to the theater. So yeah, um, after that, it kind of just fell through and I kept auditioning and kept making roles. And by, by middle school, I started to like seek like really hardcore outside of school, like extra, like wanted to pursue this. Like it was really the only thing. It was really the only thing that like ever was an option for me. Like nothing else was an option like besides this. Like this was a dream. Like that was like a severe like, I don't know. Like now that I think about it, like I wanted to be nothing else. Like I did nothing else. So like I was luck lucky that I had parents that allowed me to go and take classes at CCM and take the prep classes and then audition for certificate high school acting. That's a two year program on the weekends on Saturday all day. So like as normal freshmen and sophomores are like hanging out on Saturdays and like doing normal things, I was I was studying and as this is so so lame and like I it's such a like actor thing to say, but like I was studying my craft and like wanted to better and wanted to just know everything. And it was so I was so obsessed with it because it was such like I'm such a deep ass fucking person. And I'm not even saying that to like brag because as we all know, and as I've talked about it before, like it comes with its, I am just like, con and I, and I look back on it now to make sense of why I gravitated and why I did and why I did so well is because I'm just such an empathetic and like empathetic person to the highest degree that like I can just get in like I, and, and being fearless in front of people and being able to like empathically feel the role that you're in. And then also kind of just like having a knack for it. Because I like it just everything felt comfortable. It was just people, it was just conversation. It was it was a sense of it was a sense of performance at the same time. It was there could always be better. Like you're not, you're like you're never good. Like you're never good enough when you're acting. And I think that's what I got so I just it was my life. Like it's all I did. So like like graduated with a certificate, had a went and got accepted into a freaking like 13 class like BFA major program in Chicago and like went and like I don't think people understand like when I say like my classes like I was a full-on acting major like I think I had one English class my first year because it was movement for the actor and studying different techniques and like breathing for the actor and then like literally just like a like acting one class like and now life and, now, and I don't want to get in, once again, I guess we can dive in more to that. But what I'm getting at is that, like, it was and is still part and huge of my life and why I'm so obsessed with every element of entertainment because, like, I understand it and I get it and I see it from a different perspective. So I enjoy movies and I enjoy movies because I get to experience and feel and go and think and literally know exactly 
from a from a from a viewer standpoint, but then like understand it from the actor standpoint. And I think that makes me even more obsessed because like I know what it goes I know what goes in and not even at but like I know and I and I am as you can see I'm like catching myself because I don't need because you're like trained as an actor to never think like never be okay with being like getting it okay you got it well guess what you can get it even more so like I think at an early age that like built this perfectionist mindset in me and this OCD mindset and I and I think I mean that's not just the acting like there's other things involved that created me to be the way that I am but it's never like for instance like some of our teachers which are some of my greatest mentors still to this day still to this day um the joke was is like okay you all suck less today like that's what they said to us like you all suck less today but you know what it was funny was like I loved it like I didn't even like that didn't that didn't bother me it was my other shit in my life that I wasn't like going through so much at the time and being such a young age that was like, I was such like a broody, I was such a broody actor. Like when I was like hardcore studying, like not even that, but like I gravitated and so good at like dramatic parts and like obviously really good at comedy, but like (laughs) just like talking about like what I'm really good at, like, huh? But like, bear with me for a second. So like dark stuff was always just like my go-to because like I can nail I can nail some, like, give you some chilled feelings. Like, a couple of, mo- like, my monologues were always so sketchy. Like, my one I auditioned to college with was talking about fire and how I can burn your house down and talking about all the kinds of fire that I have power over, like, power of. And the play that it came from was this, like, play about, like, these young girls that, like, lost their friends in the woods. And it was this this like older guy that like created this relationships with like these 13 year old girls and like the anyways so like I gravitated towards like the more feeling the dark when and I kind of just went off on a little tangent there but basically what I'm trying to say is is that like this was and is my life ergo why I one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to come on here and not only be able to tap into that creative side that I was literally like crafted my entire life. Um, that life shaped me. I mean, those were my formative years. I mean, all the way from like fourth grade to, you know, when I was like 19. I mean, that shaped who I was and it still shapes who I am. And like, so this was a way and people are like, oh, why didn't you like continue? Well, life happens. And I think not only did life happen, but also fear, mental, mental blocks, other life situations. So starting the podcast was a way for me to kind of get back to that. So by getting back to that, let's dive in and let's talk about one of my favorite, one of my favorite characters that I've been able to consume and to be able to spend time with And not like spend time with, but being able to spend time with it, like watching these actors create the Joker. So let's kind of just discuss first one thing that is like known about all these four recent actors who play the Joker. So who I'm going to be talking about is Jack Nicholson. We're going to be talking about Heath Ledger, the late and great. 
we're going to be talking about um, Jared Leto's Joker, and then we're obviously 120 million fucking percent going to be talking about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker because, <laughs> yeah. So let's get started. So all four of these actors are, are, are actors that consider themselves method actors. So what method acting is, it's a technique of acting where like you, the actor, actually aspire to like complete a total like identification with your part. Like method acting is you want to reach total emotional identification with your part. Like there is no difference between you and them. You go there. You completely put yourself away. And I know that like real, like with method acting, like you're still like, but no, like you completely become it. Now you might be asking yourself, what, wait, I thought that's what all acting was. And yes and no. Um, The thing about it is like, there's so many different types of techniques that so many different people practice or different like preparation. Um, I, I think the big thing about that puts method acting aside is that method acting is something where, okay, So let me kind of explain it like this. So method actors go like the extra, extra, extra mile, okay? So like they don't just get their script like soap opera actors do. They get their script the day of. It changes literally constantly throughout the day. You have to be so good on the, or like really you have to, like your memory has to be insane, which is like one of like my memory is just like a lockbox. Like I can just remember, like I can whip out like probably still all of my monologues like right now like I just have a great memory for like memorizing text anyways so soap but just to kind of like soap opera you have to be like on the spot so with with the method acting you you really have to there's like much much preparation that comes into it so this is like the actors will be now they're in talk with you know the director and all of this about playing the part and like these method actors i.e Heath Ledger which we all know and kind of seen or whatever you believe or whatever you know the media wanted us to believe or whatever conspiracists wanted us to believe like we saw how and we saw how I think it was a truly and honestly for me believe it was a case of someone who is and most actors most people who tend to like like to be an at like to want to put yourself in these positions like we're not all right upstairs like we're like you're a different kind of breed and once again I'm it's it's not like something like we're like no like you're not like there's like we're all just kind of anyways I, I just that's just to be able to like So I think what the case of Heath Ledger was, and stick with me, I know I don't complete thoughts because I have a million things rolling around in my head, was a case of someone who was already battling like severe, probably I feel like most like mental, like there's obviously mental, okay, 
obviously mental health and i do believe that with heath ledger he was also like an empathic being who like felt things on like credibly deep and like was so then also like when you're tapping into like really deep shit as being a method actor and really going there and like resorting back to things in your that caused you severe pain and like living there whereas like in life you're like not you're supposed to be like your job like their job like your job is to go and clock in okay well his job for six weeks straight was to lock himself well this is his choice this wasn't like the director chose to I mean preparation for his part where this is his job what we get like what you get paid for locked himself in a hotel room for six weeks and completely isolated and went started to and you're like well how do you do that well like he started keeping like a journal and started to tap into possibly okay well you look at when you get a part, like I was told one time that when you get a part, you're never supposed to look at it as bad or good. You're supposed to look at it as the person. You're supposed to approach it neutral and look at them as a person and then figure out why they're doing that. Why are they behaving that way? What did they go through or what What are their thought? Like what is the background which causes the thought, which causes the action? It's a lot of text work. It's a lot of analyzing. For me, it was just a lot of feeling. I just knew what it, I just could get to feelings like that because they're always right behind me. So I think that's, I personally think Heath Ledger's situation got extreme, drugs got involved, and um, there's a lot going on there. So I don't want to just skip straight to him. I do want to go back. Um, Let's just travel backwards and let's start with Jack Nicholson. So Jack Nicholson is known to be like a method actor because Jack Nicholson's also just kind of fucking crazy. Like we think of all the roles that Jack Nicholson's done, The Shining, um, and I'm not going to name all of them because I, one, don't have those listed and two, am just not (laughs) going, they're not just, they don't just come flying off the tongue. The Departed, one of my favorite movies of all time, once again, Um, a million more where Jack Nicholson just plays batshit kind of nutty but I think it's because he can get there method actors can get there tap into those severe emotional states of the character where they're not really even themselves so I think the thing that like I enjoyed most about like Jack Nicholson's performance and just kind of to give like a to kind of paint a visual picture Jack Nicholson's performance was very much a a like uh, what am I losing my footing it was very much reminiscent of the comics now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I like read comic books all the time, but like I have gone to Barnes and Noble and I have sit have sat down and I have looked at Batman comics. So, um I it's very reminiscent and very much that classic comic just kind of dark but actiony but with that with that comedy and I think he was very much gave that that vibe that and not not to mention like the style like that 90s vibe style movie um I so for watching him and I and I know that that's why people still gravitate and still say that like Jack Nicholson's role is like the iconic Joker role because it 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 gives people a nostalgic feeling and people we are so obsessed with nostalgia right now it's wild like everything's coming back with sequels and remakes and it's just something that like we are pouncing on I personally loved about him like that's what I loved about watching his performance like I loved um and if and if you haven't seen it go back and watch Jack Nicholson as a Joker my uh Michael Keaton and Tim Burton's Batman and it's just it's just so 
light. It's light, fluffy, but still dark because you're watching people being murdered. But I think that's what people enjoyed about like that comic vibe is that it keeps it light and fluffy, but graphic. That's what comics are. They're it, I mean, and I and I'm that's how I'm describing them as like a feeling, you know, like he he had those catchphrases and it was very much like the big like once again, we had like the big musical numbers with him because like the Jokers are very much like very perform like very dramatic and very like putting on this show. Um, and I think that's what people just loved the most about that. It was that nostalgic comic book feeling. I think one of the things that I remember reading that just was blowed, blowed, blew my mind was that there was a interview where I believe a just like a paparazzi or some kind of person of the press was the one who informed Jack Nicholson that Heath Ledger had passed and he was kind of caught off guard and was speechless and was like, well, that's awful. And then pause and he was like I warned him and there wasn't really any kind of more detail about that but then later on in another interview that I read it was like Jack knew you know going to the darkers going to the Joker's a dark place you know you're going to a place where it is someone who when you think about them as like a as like a as like a human standpoint is somebody who is so fucked up that you're going to be that dark but then can be that you know you know eh, like the show and dramatic and, and the da 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 and like production like the like the the drama and the and the theatrics of it it's a really fricked up I mean you're murdered I mean not to mention just like the vile I mean obviously duh the violence but what they're talking about when they're saying like these parts is the mental place you can't just like put on a suit and be like bang 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 with guns I'm a bad guy like that like we sense that and that is shit a mile away like you have to you have to become these people and the movies that don't do well or the movies where they where it's obvious like if like so Jack Nick so Jack Nicholson saying that okay I warned him well later in the like in an interview it was said that like you know this part brings it brings some shit you know like he didn't sleep and because of more more than likely when you're when you're doing when you're living and that and you're embodying your body I mean just think about the like just mass just mass 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 anxiety so you know he was talking about Ambien, and he talked about how Ambien almost killed him after he played the Joker. He was on Ambien to help him sleep, and he said he almost drove off a cliff. So he said that he warned Heath Ledger about playing about playing the role and about the toll that it's going to take on you mentally, um, which is really fucking sad. And I'm sure that that probably is was. Yeah, just super messed up for him. And I mean, that I didn't mean for that to be a terribly sad segue, but let's segue into someone who I have been dying to talk about, who I really don't think I've ever gotten to talk about, like, deep depth. And I hope you're sticking with me, baby, because we all getting deep. Um, So let me just kind of break this down for you. I used to sit in my family's – I used to sit in my family's computer room that had, like, glass French doors and would sit on the computer when I was – in my in my prime which was from you know fifth grade you know fourth fifth grade on 
when you actually sat on your computer and like went on AIM and like AOL I did AIM I know we called it AIM whatever Broadway girl tutu um would sit and just research and go to IMDb and look at and look at movies and then you know look at the directors and then look at what else said actor was going to be in like in the future and then start following that movie and start following things that like I mean, I was doing the the research and the shit for myself that like e news and everything else is doing for us now on Instagram. Like, just con- like I just enjoyed knowing every aspect of of you know the 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 production. What little tidbits could I find out? Just absolutely in love with it. And as I was stumbling down a Christopher Nolan black hole, and Christopher Nolan is the director of um, the Dark Knight stumbling down a Christopher Nolan um, rabbit hole of what else he was going to be producing. Um, He's also produced Memento. He's also produced Inception. I mean, the list goes, um, the prestige, the list goes freaking on people. I stumbled upon him doing the dark Knight and like looking at casting and hearing rumors that Keith Ledger was going to be, I mean, this was back. Like I knew this back when time was when time was a different time and just remember being so obsessed because I loved um I loved a knight's tale loved 10 things I hate about you and just was so obsessed with the idea as an actor standpoint this kid who's had these two roles now has an opportunity of a lifetime to show to prove himself so I became obsessed I wanted to follow I wanted to know what he was doing I wanted to see any kind of transformation because you're not just going to do a Christopher Nolan movie and just go half-ass you're going into a Christopher Nolan movie and like you're going in for a wild fucking ride so I knew that this was going to be transformative I knew that this was going to be crazy from just from what I knew he was probably going to be preparing as an actor standpoint and knowing style of Christopher Nolan and knowing it was going to be a more darker realistic style Gotham uh, I just I I couldn't get enough of it so once it came out it was I like remember I was in Colorado on like a family vacation and we were in Estes Park Colorado which is like super small like little like town, like kind of like folksy towns, kind of like Gatlinburg, but also like super dope because it's in California, like in the mountains, which is kind of, I guess, how Tennessee is. Anyways, um, we all went to the midnight showing and I just remember being so enthralled. I could not, I just could not wait. I didn't even give a shit about anything. I, like I obviously wanted to see the movie. I just wanted to see him. And especially once like press was released and which I found out that like he was the creator of his makeup look like he had so much hands on creation. He wanted to be I, I just was like, oh, my God, like this is a complete and total like this guy has spent and finding out that he spent six weeks in the hotel room and knowing knowing there was like the journal and knowing there was like other things that were kind of starting to be rumored and talked about, obviously, because before the movie even I think it was in like post-production it he he had passed so Christopher Nolan said that he was like in the cutting room and like was still with him was still with him because he was cutting and putting and um which is just wild so like or no 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 because he okay I'm not sure timeline but I know that he'd made oh yeah no it was cutting because they had filmed he had filmed his stuff and then he had moved on to that doctor, doctor, whatever movie where it was his last movie. 
Um, anyways, I just, I'm like, I have like a million articles like rolling around in my head trying to like piece things together. So like, just here we go. Anyways. Um, so yeah, I just, so was waiting and had like the hype. And I remember sitting and watching the, his performance and being absolutely captivated. And let me tell you a couple of things that like absolutely captivated me. First off, his entire first demasking is one of the most, and the really cool thing about that scene is like, um, the scene actually, like the cameras were actually like super blurry. And like, I forget what I read about the reason why was, but it was, it was blurry, but like the takes were so good of ledger that like Nolan was like, screw it, keep them. Like, I, I don't like, don't, don't want to do it again. Um, when he first demasked and he's like, what doesn't kill you makes you stranger. And I was like, oh my God, dead, dead in my chair. I just remember looking back and being like enthralled. I was like, oh my God, let's go. Let's go. We're going there. And I think the things that I was so obsessed with him is just like, first thing, actor mind. I was looking at like specific things that him, the person was doing. So he was licking the lips. There was a lot of tongue. I thought it could have possibly been like animal work and a little bit of like serpent. But come to find out due to the makeup and to like the way that it was like Heath was like it it kind of became part of like that character, like the way that he probably was like cut. But like it was just he said it helped him increase or helped him actually deliver the voice for the Joker. But it was one of the most iconic parts about that role is the constant tongue in the side of the mouth. I mean, it's just, it's a tick. It's something that creates and makes that person deeper. Okay. So my eyes immediately went there. I was obsessed with it. I couldn't get enough of it. I think the other thing that I was obsessed with was the way that he moved his mouth and the way that he spoke and what he was saying. And it was crazy because then like when I like was like looking back on it and I like I like remember reading that he actually like not he like studied with like a like a ventriloquist and like because like the way that the dummy like spoke and like the way that like the dummy like mouths where it's like there's no disconnect to like the mouth to the voice that's like what he was going for I was like oh my god so it was like this like dis like disconnected but very like mocking type way to his performance, which it totally, it totally was. Like when you go back and watch it, you're like, holy shit. Um, and then like finding out that just like on set he was, but also like they said that he was on set and he would be in total, he would be in total character and like just be like riding around on a skateboard, like didn't really cause any like havoc to set kind of like Jared Leto did, which we'll talk about later. Um, in like his try hard method acting type of way, like he just kind of was, and people didn't like pe- people talk about it, and like they didn't really, which is which is bothersome to me that like there's pictures of him like in makeup with like other people, and people said that he was just completely like still like the great guy like on set, even like in between, he would show up, he would show up in full, show up in full makeup, show up in full outfit, and hang out as the Joker, but like hang, which is so sick. He was so involved. It's just so cool when you know that aspect of it. Um, and so I just thought that was absolutely insane. And I think, I mean, well, not what is just also one of the biggest like hellos is that he won the Academy Award for best supporting actor post-mortem. 
And this that was the first time that an Academy Award had been awarded to a comic book film in like one of their major categories. He won 32 other awards that year. He there he was up for two more. So he was up for 34 and he he didn't win two, but won all the other ones that he was up for. And I think that's absolutely, absolutely wild. Um, one of the coolest things like behind the scenes is that like there are a couple of scenes where like we're completely improv by him. And once again, Nolan was just like, keep this shit in. And one of them was when he was clapping in the jail cell when like um, Gordon comes in and whatever. And he just starts to like slow clap. That was completely improv um, and Nolan was like signaling, signaling everyone on set to just go with it. And like, we're not, we're not cutting or else. Yeah. So that was, that was one of those moments. Another moment was that part where he's like fidgeting. He's in the hospital and he's like dressed up as like the nurse and he's walking out and he's like fidgeting with like the detonator to try to like make the hospital explode. And he like, it doesn't work at first. That was like him doing that motion was like completely one. And like, and then like keep hitting it. Cause it wasn't working. That was all improvised. And Nolan was like, we absolutely have to keep that. So, which was one of like, once again, like those little bits just made it, it. I also, um, also found out that like in the part where him and Christian Bale the scene like the interrogation scene it was complete I mean he told he told Bale he was like he was like go at me as hard as you can he he didn't want to lose any he didn't want to lose any authentic like authenticity I can speak to the scene which once again just you you just keep hearing these things and you're just like this is you just fall there here was a guy he was just like and for me, that like just actor just completely throwing himself and being that part. And that's why Ledger's performance, it was realistic. It it put it in a completely different, it was 100% a flip 180 from Jack Nicholson. You know, we got to see this, this person and we didn't really know his origin and we didn't really know how or why, but this manic character that we know and that we've come to you know love I you know saying that is so weird but like it is such a beloved character it was just like I said I it was I knew it was going to be transformative and it and it absolutely 100% was so I think Heath Ledger will he's Joker will always and forever be a standard and there's something that just will never not will never be broken that being said, now not going into this next person. So let's talk about Jared Leto. So the thing with Jared Leto's Joker is, okay, so Suicide Squad's put on by Warner Brothers. And and they brought him on and he came on thinking and not thinking, but that's like the idea when you sign on to an iconic role like that, okay, there's going to be this movie and then there's probably going to be spinoffs. So Jared Leto, as he also is been known to be a method actor goes into the method creation living being and doing that is the preparation to become these people putting them putting yourself in their environment that then causes the emotional connection so that you can emotionally at your core 
connect and be to that person, okay? So the thing about like Jared Leto's performance that like I was really now when I when when his press photos were, were released and we saw like his clown prince interpretation, we saw kind of this like very much like gangster representation with the tats and the bling and the guns and like this groomed kind of fucked up look but like makeup it was like okay like of course everyone was like what is this shit and like then you had the people that were like all right and like for me I was like you know what it's different like let's go with it I'm like okay cool like let's see this person he's created let's let's see if we feel it the way that we felt Heath's the way that we felt Jack Nicholson's What's it going to make us feel? That's the issue, is that we didn't get to feel Leto's Joker. We didn't get to feel that because the final cut of Suicide Squad completely took him out. And it was this huge, I mean, it was like a huge controversy with him and like the final take and like this like awkward, he filmed way more footage, way more content and what was ended up being put together like in the scene was like or like in the movie which i think maybe was 10 minutes i read maybe 10 minutes and when you go into that movie you think you're going to be a main character and when like harley quinn was more of a main character than like the joker i mean he wasn't even in the movie like at all in the movie like the scenes that he was like that the scenes that he was in he was with it was like in the club like with Harley but it was still kind of like based on her and then it was like their whole weird scene we didn't get to feel we didn't get to see and by feel and I'm not saying like feel like we like we didn't even get to feel like anything from him like yeah we saw those scenes I mean just saw like this stupid guy licking a gun with his grill and I'm like okay cool like let's move on and I felt more for Harley and that's why I was jacked about her spinoff movie and her spinoff movie looks like horseshit. So Leto didn't just sign on to this movie thinking he was just going to be in 10 minutes. Like he signed on to this movie thinking, okay, this is then going to bring me my own movie, which is then going to bring me my Heath fame because that's what everyone wants. That's what everyone, not even Heath fame, but like their own fame because Jack Nicholson has his own fame. And it was completely just a flop suicide squad was a flop and I say that but I still bought it because like I love movies and I still find things to like about it but it was not what it could have been and that also is a test it being rated pg-13 and I just like have this hate that like I understand that like obviously we want more like audiences and like there's a younger comic like the younger audience for like that whole graphic novel I guess I should stop calling them comics I should call them graphic novels to be respectful but that's like 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 you can't just cut out that whole demographic but like I personally think that there's movies that should be R like I was pissed I've said it once and I'll say it again I was pissed that Bohemian Rhapsody was PG-13 I've heard it's so great haven't seen it like kind of like just didn't really care Deadpool loved that it was rated R thank god it was rated R like Suicide Squad should have been rated R like Suicide Squad with Deadshot who is like main skill is to like have headshots and kill people like he's an assassin and like other crazy shit like I mean come on and we're gonna do PG it was just so bad it was not it was not a good edit it was not a good final edit at all um and I love Will Smith okay I'm talking about Will Smith more than I talked about Jared Leto because Jared Leto wasn't in the movie this led Jared Leto to be 
pissed. And like Jared Leto's method, by the way, was like sending a sending a dead pig to set and sending like bullets to like dead dead shot and sending allegedly the word on the street is sending used condoms to people because that's like what his joker would do. And honestly, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like now, granted, Heath's Joker's not gonna do that. Like, but like I don't know if we would have seen more of his clown prince and maybe seen more of kind of maybe what he was into it maybe would have made sense but like the fact that he that was like getting released and he was like oh my god he was such in he was such in method he was such in character it's like okay cool like it doesn't mean shit that because we didn't get to see your performance so I didn't get to see what kind of method you did brah anyways (laughs) I I mean it was a very different direction for the character and people weren't at first shocker y'all because all most people know Heath Ledger post Joker you don't know Heath Ledger pre Joker unless like you're like a teenage girl or you maybe were I don't know obsessed with no a teenage girl because that's the only people who are watching a Knight's Tale and 10 things I hate about you maybe not a Knight's Tale but you get what I'm saying um people weren't jacked about Heath being the role of Joker and I was like you know what he's gonna blow the shit off the water because you can kind of just, I felt it, and after Brokeback Mountain, Heath, Heath's an actor who just, like, lays it all on the line, and there's a complete disconnect, and let me give you an example. I want you to think of Heath Ledger. I want you to think of Heath Ledger in The Joker. You don't see Heath, right? You see The Joker. Think about that. I want you to think about Heath if you've not seen if you've seen Brokeback Mountain, which I know people, but Brokeback Mountain's a great movie. If you, you don't see Heath there. Okay. Right. You, you feel the other character. Same thing with, I mean, same thing with 10 Things I Hate About You and same thing with Knight's Tale. I mean, he's a great looking guy, but you don't feel that. Now I want, this is my comparison is I feel like in a lot of Leo's first movies, you can still see Leo. And that's just one of my things that I've always kind of will. But like, think of like an actor who you see all the time and you're like, oh, well, that's like you just like it. It prevents you from believing that they're the character because like you just something isn't feeling right. OK, like you that's kind of what I'm getting at. Heath what was not that he was you don't see anything but that character um and that worked out and Leto probably thought his opportunity was going to work out and it didn't and that's really kind of all that I want to talk about Jared Leto to be complete to be complete frank because I want to move on and I want to talk about I want to talk about (laughs) let's just go back I'm, I'm telling you the backstories of when I found out that all these people played so let's talk about Joaquin Phoenix playing Arthur Fleck aka Joker Joaquin Phoenix has always been one of my favorite actors. Joaquin Phoenix has been one of my favorite actors since Signs. Signs is one of my favorite movies of all time. I know that it's not necessarily a like cinematic adventure or cinematic like super innovative or like something outlandish, but it has some of the most like I love M. Night Shyamalan and I think he was I think he was and is and his concepts and his ideas is great but then I I mean split was dope um but I think obviously like a lot of them you know people hate it and that's cool like I didn't really like like some of them but like I still appreciate all of them because I just a 
just a freaking nerd. So Signs starring um, Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix and Abigail Breslin and not Macaulay Culkin, but Rory. Is it Rory Culkin when he's a baby? Um, And same as Abigail Breslin when she's a baby. It's one of my favorite movies of all time predominantly because it scared the shit out of me because I still aliens just when I was little it really just fucked with me um probably because of the Sabrina episode or not the Sabrina um the other character she played Clarissa explains it all when they come in through her bedroom went that just fucked me up um I digress so signs it has some of the best dialogue some of the best scene work some of the best scene work that's brought chills to my bones with the characters and scene, like one-on-one scene work where it's just two actors and like just the two actor. There's not like multiple people in the scene, which is some of the most rewarding work to do because there's nothing besides you and the other person and it's a ping pong match and you have to match and and lead and get there emotionally to get, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Um, that's why Signs is one of my most favorite movies. And I love the connection. But most importantly, Joaquin Phoenix has one of my favorite ro- roles ever in that movie. And Joaquin Phoenix is a is an odd dude. Joaquin Phoenix is also an indigo aura. He's one of the... He, which I'm an indigo... Indigo auras are like insane empathic feelers. So like he's so probably far... And he was raised by creatives. He was raised by artists. And he's... Not only was he raised by creatives and artists, he's like an insane feeler and like doesn't feel good unless other people are happy. Think about like what a... And that's like the opposite of really how we... So... And like this is stuff that he has said. So like, yeah, he's... His characters, once again, deep. They go there. You feel them. Freaking... Um, Johnny Cash I mean hello like went there felt that with him I mean I'm gonna go to um Fahrenheit <laughs> is it Fahrenheit it's the firefighter and I mean I'm just like come on her I mean there's t- I mean <laughs> I never watched this documentary where he like was like doing it as like the what was it like a mockumentary a documentary about whatever um so Joaquin Phoenix also went is is a method actor is going to put themselves emotionally in this part go there emotionally so that that's all that they feel and when you feel the character that's when you can just be the character right you're you're reacting from a place of feeling so they go there they they pull from whatever it might be Whatever might just be underneath those feelings, those memories, putting themselves in places. And um, I think a key part to like Joaquin Phoenix's and Heath Ledger's Joker is that they kept a journal. This journal that actually is in Joaquin Phoenix's journal is in the movie, is in Joker. And you get to see just like where he created and started to sketch and put articles and write. That's where Arthur Fleck kind of and Joker kind of came to life. And then he kind of built from there. Joaquin Phoenix also dropped 50 pounds. He put himself there physically, um, cut back on his appetite. Um, he says, you know, all these actors work with like nutritionists and whatever, but you he cuts back because to get to that weight, but then also that weight loss and that also feeling and the lack of probably what he was doing, you know, whatever his his food was creates then that mental space. I, I would feel, I mean, when I think about it, I feel that that would create some kind of, that would even kind of create more like underlying anxiety, you know, kind of you, it just puts you there. 
And just a couple of, you know, a couple of things to name that he did. When I found out that Joaquin was going to be the Joker, I was so ecstatic, <laughs> so ecstatic, instantly had to take to, instantly had to take to Instagram. But I just once again knew, I knew that it was going to be another transformative, another yet transformative part. But I knew that it wasn't going to be anything like Heath's because Joaquin Phoenix would create something to stand alone, would create a Joker to stand by Heath Ledger's Joker. And it's a completely different Joker. And both realistic, you know, we have, you know, Arthur Fleck in, in, in Gotham, it feels more, it is more 70s, 80s vibe. And which I loved, I loved that feeling. I loved how, I loved the costume. It was so detailing. I loved actually looking at some of his, like, his suits, like the 70s, like it's just, everything's intentional. Like there's undershirts and then there's vests and then there's the socks and then there's the shoes and then there's the bell bottoms. And then there's like the creepy apartment he was living in with his mom and all of like the, the wallpaper and all of the carpet. It was just nuts. But loved it and loved the kind of just, it once again had a rawness to it, right? Grainy. It just felt, you know, you're living in the city. You're kind of seeing, you know, they really are focusing on that kind of lower class. Like, well, we start off with like the mentally ill and how like the funding for public funding for mental health is going to be cut. And then we're seeing obviously his character who is struggling as we find out, struggling with an actual brain disorder, where he will cannot control it and just completely starts laughing, well, laughing fits, which ironic, right? We're playing the Joker. We have the laugh. All of these men have created these iconic laughs. But the thing about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker that just fascinated me, that made me obsessed, and I remember reading Todd Phillips and him saying that the laugh is going to be something that you've never brings a whole different meaning. So when you're looking at this this guy, you know, before he's really Joker and he's breaking out into these fits and he's this, you know, he's not, he's this being, he's this sweet being, but he's a sweet being with obviously things that are, that are different and that are dark and that he struggle and that is vocalized. And there's been a, there's been background, there's been abuse in the home. This is another theme. This is another theme that I've talked about in previous on these podcasts of other, you know, shows that we've kind of gone and dive into. There's abuse in the house. You find out of like this abuse from his childhood. Anyways, it's this mentally ill, severely unhappy person. And basically what we watch is when you take away all bits of anything that's making that person function and feel normal or what is normal really, but... And then you, he gets in and then is just continuously tormented. You just watch, you watch it unfold. So back to the laugh, we'll get, we'll get back to that point, but let's kind of go back to the laugh. So he breaks out into this laughter that he can't control. And the thing about it is, is like, it looks like it's visibly hurting him. He like looks like he's, you know, he does. He starts to well up. He starts to tear and, you know, he has to kind of like give the card. But you can see that it's fi- it's causing him physical discomfort. And so immediately I'm just like the like 
thinking about it from the actor like from the from like the actor's perspective like oh my god like this man is you feel the pain you know you felt how he was feeling but then his laugh when he actually ah, ah, like it's so when he thinks he's being funny and he's not and then his joker laugh I loved about this joker about how he had these musical these musical kind of breaks where it was just this symphony behind him and it was this weird dancing and it was something that Joaquin talked about on his interview with Jimmy Fallon too about how like those parts are where he was literally transforming into the joker and I think the thing about Joaquin Phoenix's role is that we really you empathize. I think the really thing that people were struggling with is that you severely empathize for him. You feel for him. You watch him get beat up on the street. You watch him try to hold a job and just try to like, I mean, literally it's the brain trauma has made him so kind of this so simple feeling of just wanting to, oh, I just want to make people laugh and but there's no, there's nothing there about his life or about him or about his circumstance that is funny. And we just watch this guy just completely just crumble in front of our eyes. And then you watch him become this infamous evil. What? But then once again, this are one of the themes or this is me when I get into my breaking it down. Well, what is evil? Was he always evil? Or was it through condition or was he conditioned to be evil, right? That's what this role, that's what this version makes us think. Okay, well, we're, okay, well, we've known the Joker to be this character, but now with this, now and there are all these different universes and all the different backgrounds and stories. And that's why I love about it. It's artistically, you take whatever approach or whatever you want to kind of dive into. But with this, we get this man who is, that's it. I mean, it mental health and lower class and is the themes here. And when we cut off the resources to those those groups, those large groups of people, we see an effect and we see an effect of what happens and and you know, this is and I and I know people are like, "Well, this is like a made up and this is and, you know, dramatic and, and we don't want to Yes, I yes, I know. And I'm and I'm just let me just have my fun here, okay? This is a made up. Yes, this is a made up universe, right? Yes, this is a made up character. This is a made up storyline. These are not made up themes. These are not made up themes. So, it challenges us, the viewer to go against what we know okay well we see this man who is cried out for help and we see you know the Waynes and we see their status and but then we're seeing really from the perspective of you know Arthur Fleck and then everyone that he's kind of running into in his day-to-day life and how they're turning they've had their backs turned on them and they've had their funding cut and they're homeless and we see Something an accident happened, which is transforms our character, you know, our main character into doing something out of, you know, out of fight or flight and out of protection and out of conditioning. And then how did that make 
it started a movement. You know, it started this faceless or not faceless, but started this masked movement. And then what does that then create? You know, we see the scene of him being re, you know, kind of reborn on the hood of the, you know, Gotham cop car surrounded by surrounded by the the people. The the normal majority people, you know, now obviously like more once again the more like drastic measure, you know, we have like the higher class and the lower class really. That's kind of just how it seems in Gotham. It's higher and lower. There's kind of nothing else. I mean, that's like crazy. And you see him kind of just all he wants is like an applause, an audience to think that he's and it, I think that's the thing. that It's just such an innocent place with him. It's such an, intimate, an in, innocent place, but such dark themes with Arthur. And what's real and what's not, you know, he's living in these, he's date, he's a, he's daydreaming and living out these fantasies, which is really dangerous. It's really dangerous when you have people who are so severely day, think it's more comfortable to live in a daydream than it is their normal life. And I mean, I can speak on that, but you know, it's just, that's what this part brought. It was so realistic. It was so startling I think the whole Murray show with him and Robert De Niro was like the entire transformation of him into the Joker then seeing his kind of like very much it was just so once again eerie and intense but you felt so I mean you watched this person be beaten the shit out of so it's just this kind of place and not don't get me wrong I mean I left that movie theater feeling anxious AF but I left that movie, just could not. And I think that's the thing that I, I, I get worried about, about like maybe people like around me seeing my face or like when they, when people hear me talk about movies is like, I'm, I could be watching the darkest scene, like, but I'm just like smiling because it's the, I'm, 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 th- I'm thinking about these actors who have produced this piece of art that is making people feel like this is such like a vital, I was like, this is awesome. This is the real thing. So when I watch these, that's how I'm feeling. I'm like, oh my God, Joaquin is just, oh, what? He just, he's doing this. This act, like I, from once again, like it just gets me, felt it. And it was amazing. I mean, personally, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is so fresh in my head. Like the feelings are so fresh and it was so different um and it being an origin story and us getting to know the background whereas you know the dark knight with heath it wasn't an origin story it it, i mean i love and and when i watch heath and when i watch heath do what heath did you can't replace it but i think also too it's hard to relate because like it wasn't it wasn't a heath origin story we didn't get a whole two hours of heath we got a whole two hours of joaquin so we saw things that, I mean, of so I think that's why I feel so passionately about Joaquin Phoenix's performance is because it was, a, I mean, he, 
I'm sure we would have probably had more down the line of Heath. And I think his performance is, and I'm not saying like I wanted his performance to be anything else or there to be more. I think what we were, what we had from that is wonderful. Do I think that he was on, that was like the, like he was about to be humongous and continuously just like one of the greatest method actors of all time. Absolutely. But, um, you know, super cool that we were, as I say, honored to be able to experience that work. That's kind of my my verbiage of how I would approach that verbiage. I don't like verbiage. I like verbiage. But um, yeah, it, it's that's kind of how I feel. It was it was the biggest R movie worldwide. The Joker, which good it should have been. My God, can you imagine if it wasn't? It would have been a pile of horseshit. And like, and I get that people are wanting to see the sequel, but I'm honestly thinking that like, if we create a universe from this, not necessarily making like the next movie, like about, you know, continuous of the Joker, but now making a anthology series about this, about this time Gotham, about this time world, which we kind of got fed pieces in this Joker. I think that would be really sick, but I know that's kind of like a sudden stop, but I feel like a, that was like an insane vocal purge. This is a really long episode. Um, if you're listening still at this point, thank you so much. I hope that you've enjoyed listening. I've enjoyed talking my God so much. It's been forever since I've been able to kind of dive back into those people. And, um, yes, we are episodes or I, I, I promise they will be coming. Um, but this was a great start and I hope everyone has a wonderful Halloween And I will be talking to everyone next time. Bye.